celebrating classics and creating new ones. Only on the Music Vibes Podcast. Now, here's your host, DC Hendrix. This is the Music Vibes Podcast. I am DC Hendrix, your host. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Everywhere podcasts are available, let us know we are one of your favorites by subscribing and write a review on Apple Podcasts. That kind of stuff is appreciated. Last week, I was joined by Carolyn Kepnis. She is the author of the books on You, the Netflix TV show. She wrote the books that the show is based on. She left us a fantastic review on iTunes, and she says she gives it a five-star music vibe. She gives it a five-star. Want to send her a special thank you out for that, and she also elaborated on that a little bit. She says, DC's love of music and books and TV is infectious, and we are so lucky to have him. Thanks so much to that review from Carolyn. You can leave one as well on apple Podcasts. this is the week we talk rock and roll hall of fame 2020 once again more snubs but we can't talk rock and roll hall of fame 2020 class without talking about who is actually being inducted into the hall of fame in the 2020 class and it starts off whitney houston in she is one of the front runners of the leaders that get in Whitney Houston gets in you have notorious B.I.G. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back. The longest overdue band that got in this year in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class. And I think the only sure in, really. The other ones I thought it could be a chance. Gotta go with the Doobie Brothers. The Doobie Brothers finally get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. mode getting in the rock and roll hall of fame 2020 class as well and you won't have to move 
Nine Inch Nails get in. And classic rock band from the 70s, T-Rex, gets in. Now, obviously, that leaves so much more to talk about. First of all, the fan vote. Obviously, every single year, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame holds a fan vote prior to the inductees being announced and all that stuff. The nominees come out. They have a fan vote. Yada, yada, yada. We learned this year, fan vote means absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. You look at the top five vote getters for the fan vote, one of them got in. Dave Matthews Band was the leader in vote getting for the fan vote, didn't get in. You had Judas Priest, one of the leaders in fan voting, didn't get in. Pat Benatar, one of the leaders in fan voting, didn't get in. Soundgarden, one of the leaders in fan voting, didn't get in. I mean, it's crazy. I don't, I don't understand. Um, you did end up getting Whitney Houston in over Pat Benatar. A lot of people have their issues with that. And a lot of people are having issues in the Taurus B.I.G. You know what? The problem is, once again, that I have to bring up, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opened this door long ago. Once they started inducting people like N.W.A., Tupac, they opened the door. My only problem with people like Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. getting inducted. Um, I was okay with N.W.A. because those are guys that have sustained success. Obviously, you look at Ice Cube. You look at Dr. Dre. Easy e did pass away early on in that stage. But you look at N.W.A.'s success not only during their career, during their music career, but look at the career after as well. You look at Ice Cube's rap career, phenomenal. Dr. Dre's producing career, phenomenal. So I was, I was okay with that, right? Okay? The door had already been open. You'd already started inducting, you know, like uh, classic soul bands, uh, R&B groups. You already opened it up. At this point, they really needed to change the name to the Music Hall of Fame. Um, let's see easiest way to do it because it's not just rock and roll anymore they open the door which is fine i'm fine with that turning into the music hall of fame things are settled but you still have the claim rock and roll hall of fame you need to take that part out because it's not just rock and roll my only problem with tupac and notorious big don't get me wrong i'm a big hip-hop fan huge hip-hop fan love hip-hop music my only problem with them two being inducted so let's start with tupac shakur now he was inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame obviously and he was killed in 1996, right? It was tragic, very tragic. But my only problem with them being inducted into Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or Music Hall of Fame, in my opinion, I'm not even calling it Rock and Roll Hall of Fame anymore. So as you see the title, Music Hall of Fame 2020, as I put in the title, I'm absolutely serious. I'm not calling it Rock and Roll Hall of Fame anymore. It's the Music Hall of Fame. But you look at anyway, you look at Tupac's music career. Let's look at their music catalog. So as I mentioned, Tupac was killed in 1996. His debut album was released in 1991. So in five years with Tupac, that's enough for him to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's enough for him to be inducted into the Music Hall of Fame. Five years career. Tupac's inducted. Don't get me wrong. Definitely a monumental you know, hip-hop artist. His career was cut short, so we don't know. It'll always be the unknown what he could have done if he continued to live. Obviously, that's always going to be the question, but you look at the body of work, five-year career, that's enough to get him in the Music Hall of Fame. I don't get it. Notorious B.I.G., killed 1997, March 9th, 1997, just 24 years old. This is tragic, even just reading this, by the way. Absolutely crazy. Um, but yes, 1997, his debut album, Ready to Die, 1994, three-year career for Notorious B.I.G. Again, big hip-hop fan, I think it's becoming a joke that these guys are being inducted. I really do. I think if there was a hip-hop Hall of Fame, which there should be, their few-year career was definitely more than enough to staple them as hip-hop legends. 
But in terms of Music Hall of Fame, in another year, I mean, you have Judas Priest missing out on the Hall of Fame, Soundgarden, Pat Benatar. I thought she was a sure in. I mean, really think of Pat Benatar's hits. telling me that's not i mean we all know these songs we've definitely heard them throughout the years they're hits no rock and roll hall of fame no music hall of fame i just don't get it i really don't get it anymore i've tried so hard there really needs to be some changes so let's have a little fun let's talk with mitch lafon about some of those changes that need to be made hey mitch lafon yes how are you hey i'm doing all right how you doing today Good, good. Freezing as, uh, as, as one would have it in Canada, but uh, doing well. <laughs> I hear you. So um, before bringing you on, I got to know, you got anything good in the package? You got some new music you got to check out? New music to check out. It depends what kind you're looking for, but uh, <laughs> I'm always a big fan of um, uh, Tigers of Pantang. They had an album come out uh, later in, late in, late in the year called Ritual, which I thought was fantastic. There's, of course... Okay. Uh, Greg, I got this one in front of me. Greg Chiasson, um, who used to be with, uh, what's that band with Ray Gill and, uh, um, I forget what they're called. Uh, band. Anyway, they, they, he has a new album out called Kings of Dust, which is really good. Okay. But, uh, yeah, Ritual by Tigers of Pantang is, is my go-to right now. I like that. I like that. Way to start off with the bang. Mitch LaFon joining us here, and he is a host. iHeartRadio has a podcast, and um, we'll, we'll let you promote that, obviously, at the end of the show. We have a lot to get to, and the reason I brought you on is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions. The inductees have been announced, and I couldn't help but notice. I get on Twitter after seeing the announcements. Your tweet is the first one I see, and it is, I have to say, 100% spot on. So I want to refer to this one uh, first. So kind of, you know, let the audience know, if they're not on Twitter, um, what you tweet. And you said missing from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and you ranked them one through ten. Who did you have? Well, I had Foreigner, which of course makes sense to me because yeah. the first five albums were top five on Billboard, and they've been doing this for forty years, so they deserve there. But uh, let me run through one to ten, and then we'll we'll dissect it. Uh, Iron Maiden, I had at number two. Mm-hmm. Judas Priest, I had at number three, which should have been in this year, didn't get in again. Yep. Uh, Duran Duran, and I know a lot of my rock fans were like, what are you doing? Like, hey, like it or not, they they created a genre, the whole new romantic thing. They were the leaders of that. And you cannot deny how popular they've been through the 80s, 90s, and even now. So, uh, you know, uh, Motorhead, you you can't ever deny Lemmy. Mm -mm. Uh, Then I had the uh, Scorpions. And uh, if you notice, one of the Scorpion members retweeted and and said, Scorpions. (laughs) which I thought was funny. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne solo, we know he's in with Sabbath, but you look at Diary of a Madman and you look at some of that early stuff, especially with Randy Rhodes, how can you not say that's worthy? I mean, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, then Megadeth, I figure, you know what, if, if Metallica is in, then, you know, if Metallica's one, then Megadeth has to be like 1B. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so they, they deserve it. And then, of course, I put uh, Huey Lewis in the news, 
Uh, that one we could certainly debate, but yeah. I'm a huge fan of UE, and I certainly think that uh, you look at sports and that sort of, you know, preppy rock. Did I just invent a, ter- a term? But I, I think that, you did. That preppy rock of, <laughs> of the 80s was led by Huey Lewis in the news. Hip to be square, stuck with you, the power of love. Do you believe in love? I mean, you go back to the album uh, Picture This in 82. I mean, you got Sports in 83, the debut in 1980. I agree with this list 100%. And one that you, I don't, I don't know if you skipped over them, but Motley Crue as well. Um, you had them at number six. And, oh, today, right. and we're recording right. today, January 17th, 1981. And Nikki Six just tweeted this. Motley Crue was born as we're recording today. So a uh, nice shout out to Motley Crue. And yeah, I agree with your list 100%. Now let's, I guess we can, you know, as we dissect some that are still missing from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we can start digging into this year's inductions um, and inductees. So let's start off. Doobie Brothers, we both can agree, long overdue and deserve to be in, correct? Yeah, do, Doobies are, are an American classic. They they belong there. Why, I mean, why not? Um, you know. I don't know if they've changed the world, but they certainly hung around long enough, and uh, AM radio was certainly built on the back of the Doobie Brothers in Kansas and bands like that. Yeah, absolutely. Doobie Brothers, one of my personal favorites. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned Judas Priest earlier, who I thought should have been in. Um, and I interviewed Rob Halford actually just a few weeks ago, a little bit, you know, going in towards the end of 2019. He was in, he was very enthused about being, you know, nominated once again. He honestly thought they were assuring it this, you know, this time around, um, thinking that they were going to get in last year, but apparently not. Um, and the Doobie Brothers do get in. For me, this was the no brainer, you know, looking at the list that the Doobies got in. So, who got in this year that you thought for sure they should have been in? Who do I think got in that should have been in? That's a good question. Boy, you know, other than the Doobie Brothers, maybe T-Rex, but, mm-hmm. you know, T-Rex, that, that's sort of like a sentimental pick because did they really change anything? Did they did they hang around long enough? I mean, I, I know that people are going to say, oh, you're a heathen. How can you put down T-Rex? But mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, the power station – uh, with the guys from Duran Duran, made them more popular than they were on their own. So, uh, you definitely Doobies is definitely one that that absolutely positively belongs. I, I do think, by the way, that Whitney Houston belongs. Mm. I just don't think she belongs yet. When you look at the list that I've put out, and you look at some of the other nominees that are not in, mm-hmm. yes, she belongs in. But I think after these guys get in, you know. Mm. Um, Warner has had a bigger, better career than her. So anyway... Yeah, and, and, and to even, you know, focusing on the ladies, now, a lot of people here in our parts here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, you know, a lot of people felt that Pat Benatar should have got in over Whitney. Do you agree? I do. Pat has been a, a warrior for, for a long, long time. She's been in there. Her, her music is undeniable. If you were watching anything on TV in the 1980s, it was generally a Pat Benatar video. I don't see how she can't get in, and she's still going at it. I think that when you look at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for some of the older artists, I do think longevity, I can't say the word today, (laughs) Uh, being in there a long time uh, is something that you should look at because it's nice that Whitney's in and it's nice, but do you start letting in one-hit wonders? And the answer to that, I think, is no. So I think when you've been around for 30, 40, 50 years, that has to be part of the equation of getting in. 
people my age are loving it right now. You're seeing people like, you know, Whitney Houston that we grew up on. Uh, you're seeing uh, even hip hop artists like Notorious B.I.G. You're seeing N.W.A. and Tupac. And I've, I've tried really hard as a millennial, I guess, so to speak, to enjoy it. And although I am a big Notorious B.I.G. fan, I'm not sure that. You know, guys like him and Tupac, for instance, you know, they obviously, you know, their music lived on for decades as they stack up against some of the rest of these bands and artists that are, you know, being nominated. They don't stack up. You know, Taurus B.I.G. had like a two, three year career in the rap industry. I mean, two or three years compared to all these other people, Judas Priest. And, you know, you go down the list, you know. And Tupac even the same thing, a few year career. And these guys are inducted, you know, into the Hall of Fame. So they inducted because they died young. You know, I'm just really super confused on what the criteria is here. Yeah, so am I. And I even look like as an artist like Patti Smythe, who who got in, Uh, you know, yes, she was cool in the New York underground. But did she Mm -hmm. really impact music at all? And uh, as far as Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac and some of those, you know, people say, well, it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Those artists don't belong in it. And that's where, uh, you know, I'm going to question that in a sense that, well, Metallica is heavy metal. They're mm-hmm. not they're not rock and roll by definition either. Mm-hmm. You know, should, should, should we have kept them out then? I mean, where are we going to draw the line of what's rock and roll? And I also say this, why do we have this line? If we're going to start going Notorious B.I.G., why don't we start going Garth Brooks? Like, why have we crossed that line at, you know, country rock, mm-hmm. the, the Keith Urbans of this world? So it's, the whole definition and the whole what it is is very, very confusing, and how you get in is very, very confusing. And then I'll go back to Foreigner. I'm going to just keep beating the drum for Foreigner. <laughs> First five albums, five top five. Wow. To, be, to have a top five run on Billboard at that time in the 70s and 80s when the competition was incredible, the sales were incredible. You know, th- these were sales. They were not streams and YouTube clicks and none of this nonsense. Right. They were top five because people were plunking down cash. And to have your first five, how is that not commendable? How do you not look at that and go, yeah, you deserve it. And you look at movies and you look at TV shows and you look at commercials. Their music is everywhere. It's in elevators. How do you say that's not influential? I don't hear Notorious B.I.G. in an elevator. I don't see Notorious B.I.G. in a lot of movies. Yes, some. But... Anyway, the notorious one, it doesn't bother me. It's just sort of strange, and, and I sort of get it. They they want to appeal to the hip crowd and the different crowd, and they want to bring in a, a new fan base, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not rock and roll. Let, let's just call it the Music Hall of Fame and put an end to the discussion of what's rock and roll. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree, 100%. And another thing that was kind of weird through this process, and I'm sure you can elaborate a little bit more. So I'm not 100% certain on, you know, what the fan vote means and how much it means towards who gets inducted, because obviously we all know at this point, Dave Matthews Band won the fan vote for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and did not make it. Now there's fans of Dave Matthews Band that are planning to protest the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because Dave Matthews Band won fan vote, didn't get in, calling it the biggest snub in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame history. Where do you stand with Dave Matthews Band and them being snubbed? Well, I'll tell you uh, two things. First of all, I, I'm one of those who don't think he deserved it yet. Mm-hmm. Come back to me in 2040, 
then yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think it's still too young in its career, and I and, and I think listen, he sold a bunch of singles, but I don't think he's really influenced. You know, I don't hear a lot of people say I picked up the guitar because of you know. I, I don't hear it. I don't, I don't think we're there yet with Dave Matthews. That said, mm-hmm. I think if you're going to have a fan vote, you're going to have to let the winner in. You know, uh, the guys who finished second, third, fourth, fifth, like Pat Benatar and Judas Priest, you can say, well, you know, they didn't win. Okay, fine. I don't agree. If you're going to have a fan vote, then you have a fan vote. I mean, can you imagine, you know, Major League Baseball having a fan vote and then on the field day of the All-Star game, it's all kinds of different people. You go, well, wait a minute. <laughs> we voted for him at first base. Well, what? So th- th- there's sort of a silliness to that. But that said, okay, don't put in the second, third, fourth, and fifth. But the guy who's number one or the girl or the band or whoever, person who gets the most votes, and in this case it was an enormous amount, and I, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was in the you know, millions of votes, you got to get the nod. Uh, you know, don't don't hold a fan vote mm-hmm. if it means absolutely nothing. And if you look at it, and, and I don't have it in front of me, and I will in a second, but uh, Pat Benatar, Judas Priest, yeah. and Dave Matthews were all in the top five, yeah. and none of them are in. Yeah. Well, what the what the is that? <laughs> yeah. I agree, and that and that's you know that's kind of this that's what we come to you know as we you know look at the fan vote it means absolutely nothing. So basically, essentially, the fan vote is just to make fans excited and give them something to do until they announce um, who's being inducted. I, I understand the marketing angle. Mm-hmm. It's it's to get fan engagement, and you want engagement. That's what the whole Twitter Instagram society is about. Mm-hmm. But at some point, if the engagement isn't rewarded, you're just going to create a, a massive disengagement, which is going to be the opposite effect. They had the fan vote last year. Judas Priest and others didn't get it. This year, same thing. If they do it again next year and they don't make any effort to correct it, you know, after a while when you've had the number one band for six years in a row not get in, then why are you going to go? Like, you know, last year I went on and I voted massively for Judas Priest and I, I, whoever else was on there, MC5 and Thin Lizzy or whatever, and I voted like four times, you know, five times, six times, ten, ten times. This year I went in and I, went, I made one vote and I went, all right, I did my part. And that's because I feel disengaged, and I'm not the only one that feels disengaged. So they're, so they're, they're treading on very thin ice if they keep doing this. What is something, the number one thing, other than, you know, we talked about the fan voting, we talked about possibly changing the name to the Music Hall of Fame. You're, if Say you're in charge, Mitch, you're in charge of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You can change one thing about the Hall of Fame. What's the first thing you're changing? Wow, that's a good, that's a good question. The, the one thing I would definitely change is the, um, the people that do the voting. I think that for the most part, we have a lot of disconnected people from what's going on in popular music and also popular music of the 80s and 90s. We have a lot of sort of pedantic, either older people just going, well, I think Patti Smythe belongs in well. I th-. <laughs> and it's like, all right, let's open it up to some of the uh, younger base and let's open it up to some, you know, even some of the podcasters that have these music things that are just so invested in the scene you got to go okay let's go listen to what you know let's go listen to what a mitch lafon has to say let's go listen to what you have to say let's go listen mm-hmm. let's not just stick to the same industry people that are creating these results that everybody howls about 
You know, you, you go on Twitter or any social media after they're announced, you never hear people go, man, they got it perfect. It was 100% right. You never hear that. All you hear about is about how awful it is. And at some point, if your product is always awful, you got to say, we got to fix it, right? I mean, if you Absolutely. bought Coca-Cola and every Coca-Cola was awful, at some point, somebody would say, we need to change the formula. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> you know? maybe, maybe we should change and I think we need. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say we should change the formula. I think I was going to choose... Um, kind of like you said, I agree 100% that the person that wins fan vote automatically gets in and then our committee comes together and figures out the rest. I think that would be the first thing I change. Um, not that I'm a big Dave Matthews band fan, honestly, but in terms of voting, they won. Um, I think they should get in 100%. This was the final day of voting, and obviously the numbers changed after this, but Dave Matthews Band was leading going into the final day with 950,000 votes. Pat Benatar, 846,000. Doobie Brothers were third, 753,000. Soundgarden, 689,000. And then Judas Priest, 651,000. And obviously, as we already mentioned, Doobie Brothers is the only one out of this group to get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. One more um, I wanted to ask you before I let you go. I wanted to pick your brain on this. So someone that resonates in my heart a little bit more than others in terms of music, um, I think they are being overlooked as well for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it's a little bit different, so bear with me here. Either bear with me or you can slam me. Either one is fine. Either is welcomed. Um, So one band that goes back way before my time that I really enjoyed growing up, and this band gave the Jimi Hendrix experience, who I'm a big fan of, the first U.S. concert tour exposure as an opening act, July of 1967. And that band is none other than the Monkees. Now, I understand. I get it. I get it. You know, they started off a TV band, you know, common, you know, TV show, comedy strip kind of kind of band. But I think their music, you know, is really underrated. And I think they got some big hits in their catalog. And I think they did really well in the music scene. I think it's a little bit underrated. What do you say about the Monkees? ever getting in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They, they absolutely should. I, I think, wow. you know, I, I, I think of any Hall of Fame, whether it's baseball or hockey or football, you know, you look at the sport once, it's players that changed the game, that brought something to the game and, and just played at such an, an, a level that you just go, wow. Mm-hmm. And I think in the music business, you have to look at bands that affected culture. And the Monkees absolutely positively affected culture. There was a monkey mania, for the lack of a better word. Yep. And so for, for anybody who grew up in the 60s and early 70s, to say that the monkeys were unimportant or were frivolous or meant nothing, they would look at you and say, what are you talking about? They were my life. They were my TV show. They were... Uh, so absolutely. And, and, and of course, you look at the song like I'm a Believer. Yes. A song that has lived for 50 years, how do you deny that? So, yeah, I do believe that they should uh, go in, and I think that at some point there should be this, this um, what would be like a grandfather clause where, you know, maybe you're, you're out of the election process or the nomination process, but at some point you've got to look back at, at some bands and go, okay, we didn't vote you in, mm-hmm. but we believe you belong there. Let's put you in. 100% agree. By the way, you're the first one that I've ever had on this podcast. I've done this podcast three years and talked Rock and Roll of Fame three times, obviously. Only talk it once a year. And you're the first one to agree with me that the monkey should be in. So really appreciate that. Really appreciate that. It's about culture. I mean, it really it is. is about changing culture. And, and they have, you know, they, they are as American as the Doobie Brothers, quite frankly. 
100% agree. Mitch LaFon joining us here on the Music Vibes podcast. So before I let you go, go ahead and promote your show. I know you got a great show podcast as well. Yeah, I have a show uh, on iHeart, also Spotify, Apple Podcasts called uh, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. I interview, of course, all these different rock stars. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mitch LaFon. And uh, give a follow. I mean, every day I'm talking rock and it's fun. A lot of fun. 100 i can co-sign that that's why i follow you great stuff as always mitch i'll be sure to check out your next show okay thank you sir unfortunately we had a legend in the music industry pass away over the last couple of weeks um neil peart who is the drummer of rush he unfortunately passed away i know he's been dealing with the struggle of brain cancer i believe over the last few years and we unfortunately lost him a couple of weeks ago so we're bringing her on she has a fantastic article up you can scroll on down in the description at npr.com annie zaleski joining us annie thanks for joining Right on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's start off, you know, let's kind of reflect here. Who exactly did we in, did we lose in Neil Peart? Gosh, where to even begin? I mean, I think everyone knows that he is just an incredible drummer, just precise, but just a real student of, of drumming, basically. You know, he took drum lessons, you know, well into his life, even when Rush was well established. But he's also an amazing writer. I mean, he is, he wrote several books. And he was Russia's main lyricist, and he just put together this incredible body of work that was emotional and moving and literary. Like, he really kind of upped the game for rock music lyricists as well. Yeah, and you really focused on that a lot, because your title, even on your article, Remembering Neil Peart's A Monster Drummer with the Poet's Heart. Uh, go ahead and tell us about a couple of the books he wrote. So one of the greatest books Neil wrote was Ghost Rider, Travels on the Healing Road, which was kind of a travelogue uh, about a trip he went on after his wife and daughter passed away. Oh. And what he did then is then he went on a, um, a motorcycle, basically, trek. He just, you know, picked up, you know, retired, you know, basically retreated from the public eye and went on music, or from, uh, retreated from the public eye and um, basically tried to recover and grieve. And he wrote a book about it, and it, it is an incredible book. It's very moving. He's a very precise writer, but he's also very emotional and very kind of in touch with what he was going through. Um, and so that's a, an incredible book. But he also would write, he wrote a book about, you know, other travelogues he was on. On his official website as well, he would write these long, long blog posts as well that were very literary, that, you know, could definitely have been compiled into a book. So he was kind of always writing. I, I know you mentioned in your article that he did not play in the studio version of Working Man. So how exactly was the transition for him joining Rush? You know, I, if I recall, uh, basically they, uh, you know, their Rush's former drummer had to kind of leave the band due to some health issues. Mm -hmm. So they were looking for a, another drummer. And, you know, they, they uh, Neil came in and apparently when he started drumming and kind of tried out, it was just like, you know, okay, this is it. You know, like they, he, he looked, they weren't necessarily sure because he was kind of a tall, skinny guy. And they were like, oh, what's this guy about? But then when he started drumming, they were like, okay, wow, that's it. And so he just, wow them is is if from what i recall from his tryout everyone knows him as the drummer of rush but a lot of people at least from my, my knowledge talking to people didn't know that he wrote a lot of the lyrics and in the, some of the lyrics you know he goes deep and you mentioned this in your article thought deeply about the future and how fleeting life could be and you highlighted a couple songs you mentioned the song i think i'm going bald um and you kind of dug deep into those lyrics kind of you know for the audience that you know may not have heard these songs what exactly was peart aiming for with the lyrics in those songs 
You know what's funny? You mentioned I Think I'm Going Bald. It's, it's such a funny song because and on some level that song is very facetious. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know he's kind of talking about you know um, you know someone worried about you know losing his hair, but he was a very young man when that came out. That was from the mid seventies, mm-hmm. and so he was definitely you know he was thinking about the future. And the very end of the song is you know I'm going to you know go gray, and you know so he was always kind of an old soul, and so he was kind of you know kind of you know there was a little bit of bittersweetness about that. You know there's a little bit of commentary on you know I know that I'm like young and vibrant, but you know someday. You know, this is definitely going to, um, you know, basically, you know, come to fruition. And if I remember correctly, that song in particular, um, he was sort of poking fun at uh, Alex Lifeson, who was kind of worried about it. And again, at the time in the 70s, when it was just like, you know, they're all young. Um, but as his career kind of progressed, yeah, he did. You know, he was very, very thoughtful and very cognizant of that, you know, live life in the moment because life is fleeting and things could be great now and you never know what's going to happen around the corner. And that was even before any of the tragedies that really kind of struck his life. You know, I mentioned the song Time Stand Still, which is a huge, huge, huge fan favorite. And, you know, just talking about, you know, it's a very a beautiful kind of melancholy song, talking about, you know, w- wishing the moment could last forever in, in life just because you never know what's going to happen. And so he just really had a great way of kind of grasping the human condition and writing lyrics that anyone could kind of relate to. They were very emotional. Yeah, and although Rush, they're most known for their drummer, I would say, you know, Neil Peart behind the scenes, and he looked up to, I know he's mentioned in a couple interviews, some of the other drummers that he looked up, looked up to, and you mentioned them, who are some of those drummers that he kind of looked up to and kind of the entire music industry has been reflecting on him and his legacy in the in the business? I know I've seen the Guess Who, um, another Canadian band. They actually were the first post I've seen that was basically saying, rest in peace, Neil. They almost broke the news, at least from, from my perspective. That was the first post I seen um, when, when we seen that he was lost. Obviously, the music community knows, unfortunately, what we lost. And he was looked up to. I know Metallica. Um, I know Lars has mentioned him in interviews before. Um, and that's a guy that, you know, a lot of people looked up to, not only in the music industry, but drummers. And he ranks pretty high on the list in terms of all-time drummers. And you nailed it in your article. Again, I want everyone to scroll on down and check out the article. But thank you so much, Annie. I, w- I, would, leave- I would leave you want to talk Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. but You know, I love the... You know, I love the class this year, honestly. You know, I think it's actually a really good class. And so I'm very excited to kind of see how they're going to kind of do the tributes to the artists who are no longer here and, you know, and have the bands, you know, that are still touring, like Nine Inch Nails and Depeche Mode, you know, what they're going to do, too. You know, uh, Trent Reznor's a big Depeche Mode fan. So, I mean, my dream is let's have a collaboration. You know, let's do something. But, you know, we'll see. There we go. I love it. Yeah. And obviously you can have the annual, I guess, podcast or article on who was snubbed, who was snubbed. And you could do that every year. I want you to tease, um, if you can, anything you have coming up for the listeners to check out. That's a good question. Um, you know, I have a story on In Excess that I've written at Salon. Um, there's a great new documentary on Michael Hutchins. And there was a documentary on a live baby live. It was kind of a reissue, um, remastered version of a live thing they did. And so I kind of did a piece on why In Excess uh, really deserves more respect potentially than they get. Ooh, ooh, I love it. I love it. I figured you would. Uh, yeah, I oh. figured that was up your alley. Ooh, yeah, that's good. I can't wait for that one. So, yeah, I got to check that one out. Annie, thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy your rest of your weekend, okay? I will. Thank you. You too. Thanks so much to Annie Zaleski for joining us to reflect on Neil Peart, who just recently passed a couple of weeks ago, the drummer of Rush. 
And thanks so much to Mitch LaFond for joining us to talk about the 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions. Now it's about that time. It's time to drop the needle, sponsored by 20 Past 4 and More, located on Broadway Street. This week I got a brand new album for you guys to check out, and we're going to drop the needle on one of my favorite songs from the album. January 17th, 2020, El Dorado was released by the one and only Marcus King. This young man is on the rise, up-and-coming stars in the music industry, great guitarist. Brand new album is absolutely fantastic, and we're going to drop the needle on my favorite song from the album. Let's go ahead and drop the needle. This is The Well by Marcus King. Let's drop the needle. with DC Hendrix on the Music Vibes Podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify on your mobile device. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.